0: Good morning. It is November 3rd, 2021. This is Tommy Ray, and we are in episode 28 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today, we're going to take up where we left off with our discussion with Courtney Brand, president of LRE Water. We just had too much to cover in one episode. So we're going to jump right back into where we left off well design, and evaluation. That seems pretty straightforward, almost like a civil engineer designing a bridge. Of course, we recently interviewed Adam Jokerst with the City of Greeley and learned that LRE Water is designing the wells there. The owner of Terry Ranch had pretty much defined the extent of the aquifers there. And LRE Water's job seem to be straightforward engineering. Are there other cases where the client controls the surface and asks LRE Water to determine if there are developable water rights under, under his property? Do you also provide geotechnical consulting services, either in-house or through subcontracts? This, of course, involves drilling test holes and electronic logging, etc.
1: One point of clarification and I think Adam would agree with this, that uh, the work we did for Greeley for the Cherry Ranch Due Diligence projects probably was not straightforward engineering. We did develop preliminary designs for future production and ASR wells on the property at a time when they would install them, but majority of our work really revolved around evaluating the groundwater quality, aquifer productivity, and storage potential underneath the property. We use the five existing production wells that are out there, as well as two newly installed monitoring wells to uh, do extensive testing, which included geophysical logging, hydrophysical logging, dynamic flow meter surveying, depth-specific sampling, aquifer testing, even water treatment pilot testing, and ASR water pilot testing. So we developed and operated Also, a groundwater flow model to evaluate the productivity and storage potential of the aquifer, well-to-well interference effects, as well as groundwater flow rates and directions. You know, because we talk some about river basin models, we also develop models of groundwater systems to also understand how they perform and then also how things would change. You know, if we install wells pumped from them or water is injected into the ground and, and how the system would change by doing those sorts of things. You know, we do here at LRA, we have an extensive groundwater team. I think we have right now 26 hydrogeologists across the across our offices, and that's out of 67 employees right now. So it's it's a large percentage of, of our workforce. We self-perform a majority of our work, you know, except for those sort of contract services, you know, like drilling, geophysical logging, you know, laboratory analytical work, things like that. We subtract subcontract those sort of things out, but everything else we self-perform. You know, we do things like geologic and groundwater flow modeling, modeling like I just mentioned, uh, geochemical modeling, where we're looking at the chemical changes and in interactions between the waters it interacts with the rock matrix, quantify groundwater rights, do geophysical logging interpretation, well design, aquifer testing, groundwater quality investigations, as well as ASR feasibility studies and designing and commissioning those systems. I think you had mentioned we are engaged in essentially quantifying groundwater underneath property. And definitely that's something that we routinely get engaged to do to look at its presence, developable quantity, as well as the quality of groundwater underlying a property. We use the same tools and techniques. However, the quantification process depends upon the state. You know, how you do that In Colorado is different than the way we do it in Arizona is different the way we do it in Texas and other states because they all have different frameworks, administration frameworks and things like that. So we use the same tools, but the quantification process varies by state. But we do things like, you know, we look at previously conducted studies, the logic logs for wells in the area, geophysical logs. Sometimes we'll do supplemental surface geophysical surveys. As well as pumping well pumping test information Uh, we use all these things to characterize the aquifers and estimate what we think well yields will be as well as what the amount of developable groundwater is
0: great okay
1: groundwater planning i don't understand that at all can you elaborate sure i think a quick response to this one is groundwater planning is really or it's basically a subset of you know broader water resource planning and it's focused really on the managing developing and protecting an entity's groundwater resources and assets. So it involves groundwater master planning. Uh, we might do a well siting and development program, so a client can look out there in the future and understands kind of when they're going to put wells and where they'll put them, and they can proactively go out purchase property out there for the future for, for well sites. Well field operations management, typically, if clients have large well fields, there's a lot involved in managing those in terms of ro- rotating the operations, doing maintenance, things like that, proactive maintenance on the system, groundwater modeling, scenario analysis. In some areas of the country, we do a lot of wellhead protection planning, particularly up in the upper uh, Midwest, not so much here in Colorado, but other areas. We do a lot of water wellhead protection planning and then how to integrate groundwater assets with the client's you know, other water supply and storage infrastructure.
0: Great. During the last few episodes, we've pretty much covered for storage and recovery. And uh, both Adam Jokerst and Joel Barber, Adam, of course, with Greeley and Joel, with your firm, did a great job answering both the need for ASR and the technical aspects of implementing an ASR program. If okay with you, let's go on to Water Information Technology. I assume this revolves mainly around real-time recording and reporting of flow rates in rivers and ditches and water levels and reservoirs. I think this is called SCADA. What does that stand for? What else does it apply to and what types of clients
1: ask for your services in this area of information? Well, I'm glad you asked this question because, you know, we really view this as one of the biggest growth areas for our firm and our industry. I also think it's one of the least understood areas of what we do in our industry or even what we do, you know, specifically here at LRE. When it comes down to it, it's all about transforming data into information. You mentioned SCADA or SCADA systems. That that is an acronym for Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition systems. That's where they get SCADA. And other water data measurement devices like flow meters, flumes, reservoir level recorders, things like this. All of these devices either collect data, record it, store it, et cetera. However, none of them provide any insight into its meaning or significance. So this is where we come in. All those devices and systems are needed to collect the data. But once the data is collected and stored, that's where we come in. Our water information technology team, you know, we specialize in water data management, both quantity and quality. We do database design as well as web development for data visualization because so much data is collected, but it varies in quality, timing, amount, all these sorts of things. And, And a lot of what we do, the value we add is normalizing all that and putting it into a form like dashboards, data visualization where our clients can actually access it and they can actually use it and make good informed decisions based on those data rather than just collecting it being stored in a database somewhere and it has no value
0: so it's sort of like you provide a picture for
1: them to look at and say this is what's happening exactly because because
0: a water right, management because you manager. can describe
1: something but if you take a picture someone yep instantly understands it much better than a lot of words trying to describe it, let's say so. And we, you know, we leverage a lot of those platforms, techniques, tools to, to build models, you know, modeling solutions, data management interfaces, and intuitive data visualization and decision support tools, specifically for water providers, because there's a lot of software databases, things like that web interfaces that are built out there, but we do it specifically for water providers to handle their specific needs just elaborating a little bit, you know, our team, you know, we have aesthetic web-based tools communicate these uh, complex water resource data and technical information. You know, we have programmers and that, you know, do GIS, JavaScript, HTML, you know, MS SQL servers, things like that, essentially to customize these tools that, data man or water managers can use to better manage their system.
0: Holy Cause smokes, I'm sure some of the younger people will
1: understand. <laughs> Cause one of those things is, uh, you know, we a lot of this or the common thread here is water rights. And so much of it is you own water rights. But if you, a lot of these tools help our clients maximize what they can get in terms of the yield of their water rights, because they know when, Hey, we're going to be in priority. Hey, we can run an exchange right now. Hey, you know, we can do a book exchange with another entity. We can lease. You know, if you don't, if the, the data are out there, but if you don't have it real time and have the ability to make those sort of decisions, you're, you're giving up yield that you could potentially get out of your water rights. Thank you,
0: Courtney. This truly is informative to me. Environmental planning and regulatory compliance. This should be straightforward almost anything that's going to change water use and have a construction program will need to be permitted.
1: Right, and I think it's important to make the distinction up front that there are a lot of other, um, that term environmental is very broad, and there's a lot of environmental firms out there in, in the industry, but they tend to specialize more in contaminated groundwater and soil characterization and remediation. We do not focus on contaminated groundwater soil. You know, our environmental management services are focused solely on water-related permitting and regulatory compliance. This includes things like... Wait, wait now, excuse me. Water-related permitting, are you talking about um,
0: permitting or, or the water rights or... I'm a little confused there because water permitting would imply to me that you look also at the quality of the water... And not
1: just the quantity, right? In this case, we are looking, well, we can't separate the quantity and the quality (laughs) because they're inextricably linked. However, our environmental management group does primarily focus on water quality than water quantity. Okay. Just like here in the state where the Colorado division of water resources, you know, looks at the water quantity and the Colorado department of public health and environment is primarily looking at and protecting the quality.
0: Very glad you brought that up, that there are two different entities looking at two different aspects of water.
1: And that's one of the things here in the state that it's evolving over time. I think we recognize that it's not possible to completely decouple quantity and quality, but still they are managed and administered separately. Let me just talk a little bit more about that water-related permit and give some examples. These things include wastewater treatment plant discharge permits. So every wastewater plant is going to have a permit for its discharge to the stream based on you know, the amount, the temperature, the chemical makeup of the discharge, and those permits have to be renewed over time. So that's one of the things that we do. Uh, we do water quality monitoring and modeling, even temperature modeling. You know, Particularly here in Colorado, it's not just about okay, what are the concentrations of a certain constituent in the water? It's also how are you affecting the temperature of the stream by your discharge? Because we know temperature is an important factor when it comes to fisheries, you know, trout spawning, things like that. that. You want to make sure that, you know, temperatures don't get too high during certain times of the year. Not only do we do water quality monitoring, we, we even do temperature modeling. We do federal, state, and local permitting as well as technical management and support for things like water quality authorities and other entities like that you had mentioned about any sort of water projects going to need a permit they do and there's multiple permits they need and <laughs> you know they can be extensive and it can take multiple decades sometimes to get some of these permits you know particularly for, for like a new reservoir
0: and that's something i've railed against it should not take that long but <laughs> And finally, your webpage discusses industrial water for clients in the West. Are these mainly oil and gas operations that need help with locating legal sources of water and then determining what to do with their
1: return flows? Our commercial water services are, I mean, they're, they're geared primarily towards private sector clients. I mean, that's why essentially we have a separate business unit that focuses on that because it's a little different type of client. You know, it's typically oil and gas mining, agricultural product, and food and beverage industries. Essentially, these are clients that either need water to produce their product or they have to manage water as part of their process. You know, we do things like sourcing and developing water supplies for fracking as well as sand and gravel mining operations. We'll design and, and let's see, over oversee the construction of things like dewatering systems that are used in, in mine operations water disposal systems, um, even produced water collection systems. Because, you know, anytime when you're producing oil and gas, you're producing water at the same time. So that produced water has to be managed, dealt with something, whether it's uh, treated, reused, or essentially is disposed of. So we even get involved in designing produced water collection systems. We'll uh, help entities in doing well field operations management, regulatory compliance, as well as you had mentioned about just that general water rights support things like accounting, return flow augmentation obligations, and reporting to regulatory agencies. Courtney, this has been
0: a, a real education. I do want to ask a, a general question. LRE Water works in several states. Colorado depends mainly on snowmelt runoff for its water supply we not only divert water from snow melt-fed streams, but capture that water in reservoirs for, for us to later use in the summer, fall, when the snow has mostly melted and streams are running low. I think that other states depend more on groundwater than surface water. Is this your experience? And a quick side note, we understand river water that runs after rain events or snow melt, but most rivers in the Midwest and East seem to run year round. Where is the source for this surface water?
1: You know, it's a great question. I think we can see here in Colorado, when we look up at the mountains and spring runoff, things like that, we can see that direct connection of, as the snow melts and runs right off into a river and and, and feeds feeds the streams. But right. So where's the water coming from at other times of the year, or maybe some places in the Midwest or East, like you mentioned, where there's no rain, there's no snow. How's the water? Where's the water originating that's getting into those rivers? Well, it's coming from the ground. You know, when you have rain events or snow events, things like that, some of it's evaporated, some of it runs off directly into the stream. The other portion of it seeps down in, percolates down into the ground. Groundwater. Well, those groundwater systems, particularly the shallow ones, are connected to the surface water system. So, as a drop of water seeps into the ground in one point, it eventually, through gravity, finds its way and discharges into a stream. So, that's that timing, that difference in timing or lag between precipitation, and then where you see the discharge in the stream. Another place where it occurs is we have what's called bank storage. So there's that, that alluvium, that material that's connected with the river that stores water as sometimes the river is what we call losing. So water's flowing from the river out into the groundwater system. And then there's other times or segments where it's gaining. And that is where the groundwater, whether from bank storage or just general seepage is coming into the stream. So that's, that's what brings water to the streams during those times of year when you don't see snow or, or rain events. It's
0: that's an interesting word bank because it, it's right. It, 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 it I mean, it's the exactly bank of like the river. Bank, you that's know? right. You it's put a, money in and you take money
1: out. Right. Right. I think that's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great way to look at it because I mean the bank becomes, it's kind of like the banks of the stream, but right. You could uh, view it as like a bank where you're making deposits and withdrawals.
0: And of course in the Midwest and East, the but bank. no
1: transaction fees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the banks are huge. And so they hold lots and lots of water that can continually feed the streams uh, during the summer and fall. Okay. Again, Courtney, this has been very educational for me, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. Courtney, you you may have your own favorite mountain stream, but I like mine. Let's stop and take a few seconds to listen to that pleasing sound. See you next time.